Crystal Sipple Underwood started writing stories and poems in elementary school, and she has never stopped. And her husband, Andrew Underwood, is an avid ghost hunter, a dreamer, and loves to work on woodworking and wood carving projects. Together, they are the co-authors of the series of eight, its sequel to Wandering, and a third book in the trilogy to be released later this year. And it's a teen mystery series with a very unique message. Crystal and Andrew call on their own experiences overcoming being bullied as kids. And so they wanted to write stories about inclusion and acceptance. Now they're joining me on the podcast today to share their journey, their story. And we talk about some of the issues that young adults face growing up in modern times. Now I love their work. I love their message. They use relatable characters that might otherwise be considered misfits to show that no matter the difference, everyone can all come together and still be friends. Welcome to another episode of the Power to Pivot podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Miles, founder of March 4th Media Company. And this is the podcast where we share inspiring stories, resources, tips, and fun ideas to help you pivot into new ideas, new goals, and new dreams for your own life. I'm so excited to have you join me on the journey, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me on another episode of the Power to Pivot podcast. I'm so excited. We have another great episode lined up for you. I have Crystal and Andrew Underwood. They are the authors of Secret of Eight, the Spider Gang Mystery. Guys, how are you tonight? Good. How are you? Doing real I good. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. I'm so glad that we have been able to connect about your books and I was able to learn about you guys a little bit. You are sharing such an important message through the work that you're doing with your writing. Do you wanna tell us a little bit about the Spider Gang Mysteries? Um, well, the Spider Gang Mysteries are a group of kids back in the 1980s about them. Uh, they wouldn't ordinarily be friends, um, but something throws them together, a mystery throws them together, and they become really good friends, they become ghost hunters, and then they gain some extra powers along the way to help them solve the mystery. Hang on one second for me. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Power to Pivot podcast. I am joined tonight by Crystal and Andrew Underwood. They are the authors of the Spider Gang Mystery. Guys, how are you? Good, how are you? Hey, thank you so much for being here. I love the message that you are sharing in the Spider Gang Mystery books. Um, So I'm excited to share it with listeners. Tell us a little bit about the books. Um, Well, the books are set in the 1980s. They're about a group of misfit kids. Uh, They don't really fit in anywhere. Um, They wouldn't ordinarily be friends with each other, but they uh, get thrown together kind of to solve a mystery. And by working together and accepting each other, um, they get some special powers that help them along the way. Nice. One of the the reasons why we chose the 1980s uh, is because that was just before computers became mainstream and you actually had to go outside (laughs) and the only phone you had in your house if you had two phones usually one was hung on the wall in the kitchen had a big long cord to it Mm -hmm. and so we wanted to have kind of a a 
uh, a time frame where kids went outside for adventures mm -hmm. or they read a book or or they did something along those lines before we all got tied down with cell phones and, and distractions and distractions yeah. and everything mm -hmm. else that's amazing i mean i remember i loved growing up in the 80s like it's such it's my favorite period really there's so many pop culture references and things like that but it's interesting to think about it was not that long ago relatively speaking and yet things have changed so much to be on the planet you know when you think about technology <laughs> to be a kid growing up now versus then is completely different your books are really sharing an even deeper message though because you're talking about a group that they're very much, none of them are really anything alike. They're all a little bit different, but you're sharing this message of like teamwork, acceptance. And, and where did that come from? A lot of it, the, the story developed uh, uh, 2007. Mm -hmm. We both were part of a, a, a writing group online and it started as a work assignment. You know, it was one of those things where I would start part of the chapter and then as I finished it, I would email it to her, to Crystal, and then she would follow up with what she thought the, the story would go on. And we did our whole first book that way. It was just back and forth through emails. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when we started to really look at it and, and uh, see what the story was like, you know, we had people look at it and goes, you guys really need to do something with this. This is good. And, and it's weird because the topic of bullying was very much part of both of our lives. So we kind of bonded over that topic because we both were bullied and we saw our children be bullied. So um, it just kind of flowed naturally into the story about, you know, hey, you can be different, but it doesn't mean you can't be friends. And sometimes if you're friends with the most unlikely people, the magic really does happen which does happen in our book in a different way. Right. And so, you know, we, we took a look at, uh, we took a look at that. And, and one of the rules in the, in the class that we took was write about what, you know, and we understood this because we were both different. I, I will admit, I was a strange little kid growing up and uh, my head in the clouds all the time and daydreaming and, uh, go outside at night and shine a flashlight up in the sky and do my whatever I thought was Morse code thing and you know maybe an alien's going to see it. Mm -hmm. So trying to be accepted mm -hmm. when we were kids, we always felt like we were on the outside looking in. Mm -hmm. And so this story allowed us to kind of not really rewrite history, but what if this strange little kid Ben, who's one of the main characters, had met somebody. And Sarah's the other main character, like Sarah. And they became friends and they accepted each other's differences. What would happen? Mm -hmm. I love that. I think, well, I mean, I was someone who was bullied as a kid too. So I am there with you in terms of what that feels like to go through as a kid. And I, I just resonate with that message of acceptance in so many ways, not just from childhood, but even like now, because I think it's, oh, yeah. it's so hard, you know, as an adult to, I think in some ways it can be harder because we're working, we're raising families, like to go out and try to make friends and, you know, mm -hmm. find those connections. I mean, we have social media, that's how we connected, but it's not really the same, right? I mean, do you feel like there's something to be said about those in-person connections? Yes. Um, 
I mean, we struggle as a couple, you know, to connect with other adults since our kids have grown and moved out of the house. Um, and it's, it's just nice to be able to connect to people on a different level other than the computer. Yeah. We have a very small group of friends um, and they're a little bit younger than us, but when we can, we have virtual game nights and we, we will do things together. But this past year has been really hard. Mm -hmm. um, there's been the pandemic. There's been a, a lot of violence in the news. There's There's been a lot of people picking on each other over everything. So it's been, you know, really difficult to forge any new friendships right now. But um, you bring up a really good point, Crystal, in terms of, and I think it relates also just as much to the adults when you think about some of the things that have come out of 2020 and going into 2021 with, you know, accepting other people for their beliefs, accepting other people for who they are and their culture and their background. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter really if you're a kid or an adult, this message, this, this overarching theme weaves through no matter what. What do you think one of the keys is for growing that acceptance in as a culture like overall like what do you think what would you recommend and and or what do you think it's going to take it really starts by setting the example if we are parents and that's what we want our kids uh to grow up with then we have to set the we have to set the tone in our homes mm -hmm. we have to set the example in our homes we've got to be that person that we want our kids to be and if we can't do that, then we can't expect our children to be any different. Yeah, because they learn by our example and they watch everything we do and they remember a heck of a lot, which I found out my daughter's in her 20s and mid 20s and she remembers a lot of everything. So you can't say what happens to you when your kid doesn't impact you because it does. And I know us as a, a couple and just talking about our experiences growing up, it does impact you as an adult. And, you know, if it does, it's okay to, you know, get help, get counseling, get therapy to figure out how to move forward, forward to that. Because, you know, it's, it's hard enough. Life is hard enough without having to live with the ghost of their past. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> One of the things that uh, we learned as kids, you know, bullying, it follows you through your life. You know, the scars that you got when you were a kid follow through. And we had, uh, we had safety places when we were growing up that our kids don't have today. We could go home mm -hmm. yeah. and we could, uh, kids because it's in their social media, it's in their Facebook, it's in their, and as parents, from uh, our perspective, the, <laughs> can you see our dog? Yeah. <laughs> Hi puppies. <laughs> but from, from a parental perspective, we've got to be cognizant. We've got to really start listening to our kids because they don't communicate like we did. We, we got in our parents' faces or we talked to our parents and that's how we communicated. Our kids today, we've got to watch what they're, we've got to look at what they're posting online. Uh, we've got to listen to them when they speak to us and put our, you know, this thing right here gets in the way a lot of times of communicating with their own children. And so if you're texting, doing this, you're not hearing what your kids are saying. And so 
we try to uh, that message of communicating and that message of listening is uh, throughout our book and, and very important. Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that keeps popping up for me as I'm listening to you guys is that I guess um, maybe a stereotype. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but it's that adage that kids are so resilient and yes, they are. However, I think there's, it's like, not a finished equation because there's more to it than that when you watch how the scars of the bullying can you know grow with the child mm -hmm. and and you you guys said it yourselves and i think you said it beautifully like they it grows with them so clearly while kids can be very um capable of popping back up and being resilient you know, where's the balance and like how, what, what crosses the line to where the point where that child maybe isn't as not that we want to portray kids as being, you know, super fragile either, but you know, they're people. Right. Yeah. And you, you see a lot of, you know, suicides with the young kids now because they really don't have an escape. Um, and they might not have someone that they can trust to talk to. Um, I mean, we try to portray in our book the characters um, that other people can relate to. You know, the geeky guy, the girl with the red hair, the, um, the person with OCD or Down syndrome, uh, the deaf person. We have highlighted characters throughout all three of our books that we're on the third book right now that we're working on. But um, just so that they can see people like themselves represented in these books. Mm -hmm. that, you know, give them an example of how to not participate in the bullying and stick up for somebody else and, you know, to ask for help when you need it. And just by having a small core group of friends, it can make their childhood a lot better. Yep, absolutely. Andrew, was there something you wanted to add to that? Nope. She said it great. I mean, honestly, really, I think having those characters portrayed more and more, I think, is going to be one way for kids to really connect. And I think it's important to note, this is a book for teenagers, right? It's not like five to six, like young kids. This is a teenage no. book, right? Yeah, it's considered a young adult paranormal mystery series. Um, but we've had a lot of adults read it as well, especially people our age that lived through the 80s that loved it as, just as much. Um, it, it's, it's weird because when we first wrote it, we weren't quite sure what genre it fit into and what age level. And after people started reading it, they gave us suggestions, you know, hey, I think it might be a little too scary for anybody 10 and under, um, you know, maybe gear it to the young adults. So we did follow a lot of the readers, you know, suggestions. And the interesting thing is with some of the adults that have read it, uh, with the second book, and I don't want to do any spoilers, but they said, I got into the mind of the characters and I cried when they cried. And oh. I understand, I understand where they came from because I felt that way when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, you write what you know, and that message gets out and gets across to people. Mm -hmm. That's so important. I think it's interesting how the parents can resonate with the book along with their kids. And, and that mm -hmm. speaks, I think, to one to your writing for you as the authors but for the content that it for what the book is and the message that it gives I mean 
we're not the only three people to ever live through bullying and it, ha- it has happened. It will sadly is happening now. And, you know, maybe you think perhaps it can be a real healing part point for the parents too. I believe so. I, I think that the more it's talked about, the more it's portrayed in our TV shows and our movies as you know, in the 80s, we would see movies where people were being picked on and we laughed at it. But sometimes we laughed at it because it hurt too much to cry. And you didn't want to be picked on because you could relate to that character. And so we, we had comedies about it. But now we're starting to understand what the cost of those ideals that we were told was normal, just, you know, toughen up, you know, as what we were told, just, just ignore it, just quit toughen up. Quit being so sensitive. You know, quit being so mm-hmm. sensitive. That's a good one. That's true. We're, yeah. we're seeing the cost of that nowadays with people that are, that are having to go to therapy and people that are hiding in their homes and, and adults that were told that that was normal. It's not normal. And we need to portray it in our books and we need to portray it in our movies and, and, and our television shows so people can have something else to fall back on. Yeah. And mental health is very important. I mean, we've, Talked about it more, I think, the past year because of everybody being stuck at home and just trying to survive, you know, the isolation part, especially kids that miss school and, and their friends. And but um, it's it's important to recognize in yourself and others around you, you know, hey, they might need a little extra help. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I grew up knowing I was different. I knew I had something different about me but I was always called sensitive. I could probably, every single teacher that taught me probably said the same exact thing about me, Mm -hmm. but no one recognized it. And it wasn't until I was in my twenties that I was diagnosed with, you know, social anxiety and a panic disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to get sick a lot and it, most of it was self-induced sickness because I just didn't want to be at school. I didn't want to be around certain people, Mm -hmm. but you know, just by recognizing when somebody might need a little bit of help, it, it, it brings your awareness to, you know, people only feel bad for someone that's physically sick. Well, what about mentally? Mentally is just as important. I think you, you touched on another great point, which is the school part of it. This Uh isn't just, you know, not being able to, to talk about it at home. I think there are some programs in place now for it to be addressed in schools. At the same time though, do you think it needs to be addressed more? I believe so. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's not something that's just going to be uh, go away with one assembly. Mm-hmm. Uh, or one you know, a year, you know, one every year. <laughs> one, one every year. Yeah. You, know, you, you have companies that will have OSHA training and and they do it once a year, and you you sign off on it. I think checkbox, yeah, yeah. Checkbox, and we've done it. I think it's something that needs to be part of the core curriculum. It needs to be taught so that we're we're sympathetic and we're understanding that people. It's okay to be different, mm-hmm. and it's it's not something to be looked down on. It's not something to be tolerated. It's something to be accepted so that we can work together and and find those bonding friendships and teach kids that it's it's okay they don't have to fit in this little box of normal mm-hmm. they can they've got a whole world of possibilities and you know my wife would have never 
have written her part of the book had she believed in what she was told as a kid and said, get your head out of the clouds, quit your daydreaming. Yeah. We would have never met and the story would have never happened had she believed in that. Well, I mean, it, it helps because like I grew up with a, a father that was dyslexic who didn't read. He didn't understand what it was like to read a book and sit down and enjoy and just feel like you're in another world. So his, his ideals were hard work, get out there, do something, be active, you know, put the book down, get outside, the sun's outside. Mm -hmm. That was his reality. And, and I can't blame him because he didn't understand it. Right. Yeah. He's coming at it from his, his, he's bringing his own perspective into it and his background and beliefs. Right. But sometimes just knowing the other person's perspective can help you understand them more. And that happens by asking questions. Yep, absolutely. How about in going back for a second to the school environment, you know, are there, I don't want to say warning signs, but, you know, clues that could help an educator, do you think, kind of clue into what's going on with a child? When, um, right after we published our first book, uh, Secret of Eight, we were invited to speak to a group of youth and their parents down in Baltimore. Baltimore. And it it was was, a high risk area. It was a high risk, high suicide area. And we went down and some of the uh, classes that they had, you know, they talked about uh, kids who isolate themselves, uh, self-harm, you know, they, they, they don't, they don't, participate participate in activities or anything or some of the early warning signs uh nowadays you can look online to see you know are they posting things on their instagram account that says you know i'm just tired of it all you know different things uh that parents aren't aware uh, of aware of yeah you know if, if the kid comes home and they go to the room and they shut their door uh not all the times are they going in there to do their homework no. You know, they're just trying to escape. And it's those little cues that also carry into the classroom, you know, how they participate with a question and answer period, how they turn their homework in, even just uh, the way they turn their homework in. Is there any pride in what they're doing? Are they and asking questions? And are even they... just their body language. Body language. I is... mean, um, when my daughter was a teenager, she was the type that would close her door to her bedroom and she would just stay in there in order to participate with her. I had to go knock on her door and say, Hey, I wanted to talk to you about what happened today at work or, you know, just initiate a conversation or her preferred way to actually talk about anything was in the car. Like if she was in the passenger seat and we're driving, she would spill her guts. She would tell me everything and anything that happened in her day. And I think it was just because I wasn't looking directly at her. So you have to find your own kids um, language as far as what they're comfortable with and, and they'll start to share a little bit more. You know, they say that there's five love languages, but I think communicating with teenagers, there's probably five times that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Absolutely. <laughs> and it depends on the day of the week. And it I mean, seriously, the- they have a lot going on between 12 and 20. So absolutely. And- I think we also started to touch to because you mentioned about social media. So it's mm-hmm. almost like 
you know, we've already said you have so many more distractions now, but there's also more pressure too, in terms of the bullying, because it doesn't necessarily stop at the playground. And right. I, in some ways, I feel like just from watching my own kids and, you know, hearing what they have to say, the internet kind of almost blurs the line a little bit. Right. In terms of what's okay and what's not. And I feel like there's almost, there's like a small group that's like, no, it's not okay, no matter what. But then there's another that's like, oh, well, what can you do? It's social media. That's the way it is. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know where it became that acceptance. I don't know. Well, I've, I've heard a lot this past year about freedom of speech on social media. Mm -hmm. And yes, we do have freedom of speech but we don't have the freedom to not accept the consequences of what we say right. to people. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you do see some of the social media websites cracking down on bullying if it's reported, but there's so much that slides through. I mean, it's really hard to protect yourself and your kids when everybody who's anybody, people that you don't know are posting things. Mm -hmm. And the, the one thing as parents, um, I learned early on, well, when my one son was coming up into a teenage years and they get into that mindset that they know everything. Uh, and sometimes I, I really think they see things better than we do as parents. Mm -hmm. uh, he was trying to talk to me and I wasn't paying any attention. I was doing the typical, uh-huh, yep, uh-huh. And he came up and he put his hands on both sides of my face and he says, dad, you're not listening. Oh, wow. A lot of times, and I've heard a lot of people say this before, we listen to respond. We don't listen to understand. Yeah. And as parents, I was listening to respond. I was waiting for him to say, well, I want to go do this. And I would say, no, nope, I don't, until your homework's done, you're not going to do this. I wasn't listening to what he was saying. I was just listening so I knew how to respond. And as adults, we get into that mindset because we're, We've got so many other things going on that we miss the important things of what needs to be done. And that's listen to our kids. Oh. They are talking to us. Yeah, We're not listening. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I want to go back real quick before we forget, where can we find your books? Because I want to make sure we'll say it again later before we wrap up. But real quick, where are your books um, available? You can get a... Um softback cover at thebookpatch.com um you can just it's a, like a print on demand service you can order a book and they'll ship it right directly to you within five days um you can also go to amazon kindle ebooks and you can download it for free if you have an amazon prime membership it's the unlimited it's unlimited mm -hmm. um and if if you don't it's i think it's only like what 399 yeah they're 399 a book uh, for the uh, for the the two books that we for the Kindle version, mm -hmm. uh, we're eventually going to have it available at uh, Amazon as well for the softback version. It's in process. Um, or if they want to contact us direct, uh, we can do a signed autographed copy. And uh, yeah, we have a, a we have a limited amount left, but it's definitely something that uh, we've done and we can do. Yeah, you can get to, to us through uh, Spider Gang Mysteries on Facebook. Okay, great. Want to make sure we touch on that. Now, I think it's interesting because the book is written from two points of view, right? Mm -hmm. yes. And so, Crystal, you're doing one, 
and the other Andrew, you're kind of weaving in the other point of view, right? How yep. was that? First of all, you're writing two separate points of view for your book, but you're married. And like, how, how did you balance, you know? <laughs> it's interesting because we have two different writing styles. Every chapter is two Part. sections, two mm -hmm. parts. And the first half of the chapter is from Sarah's point of view, which is the female which point is of view, Crystal. And then his is the second And then part. mine's part two, and it's from Ben's point of view. And I have to create on a keyboard. Mm. I have to type it because I want to see it at the same time I type it, and it tells me if I'm crazy trying to spell something that way. And so for me, I create that way. And Crystal. No, nope. I have to take a tablet and a pen and I have to go hide somewhere and write it out first in the tablet before I go to the computer. And so I won't I won't be able to start my next chapter until I see where she's gone with her part. And then we collaborate just enough to make sure that we're still going the same direction. And then I'll go and write and then we'll sit down and we'll put the two together and say, perfect. Mm -hmm. And then we just that's. We tried to do the outline. We've had people, we've taken the class and said, oh, and you've got to do this outline and you've got to do this and this. We tried that once and our story work. died. It was just like, okay, throw that away. We're not going to do that well, anymore. Well, the first <laughs> book was written entirely through email because Andy lived in Pittsburgh and I lived in Erie. Mm -hmm. And so it was easier then. Now that we're married, we got married in 2016. Um, we just don't really talk about it until I say, hey, it's your turn. And he goes, oh, good. Let me do it. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Do you keep each other on track then? Like, hey, come on. We got to we gotta keep this moving. That's him. He bugs me. Oh, he's and, terrible. And, and guess whose turn it is? It's mine. It's it's been mine. <laughs> I think that's great, though, because you can, you know, well, Andrew, you're keeping every, you know, the two of you on track for whatever deadlines you've set. I think it's so great that you can push each other a little bit. Um and keep each other moving and motivated in the message and in the writing. And honestly, the outlines didn't work for me either. You know, I tried, if, if I tried, tried to sit down and write at a specific time, if it wasn't happening, it wasn't happening. So I, I think you just have to find the method that works for you and stick with it. That's the most important part. Yeah. And we recently just started um, recording the audiobook for the first book and I'm doing the reading he's doing all the fancy editing computer and editing and all that but i have to change my voice from male to female so that's kind of fun yeah um <laughs> which which i will say i even as many times as we've gone through the books through the editing process i will forget she's reading along and i'm getting goosebumps and i'm listening to it and i'm thinking oh i should have said stop now and i got this you know we have a lot of bloopers too. That, that's a save, lot of save the bloopers for a gag reel later on down the line. You never know. <laughs> like the lost files of Secret of Eight. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, so it's Secret of Eight. It's the Wandering, and Book Three is is coming when? In the fall of 2021, yeah. and that one is called Freaks to the Left. Nice. Okay. Awesome. And that book will kind of. Um, tell you where these secret powers are coming from. Okay. I love it. I love it. Um, what last minute message or words would you like to leave with the audience here? Um, 
everyone has a story um, and everyone's story is important. Um, it, it creates who we are as adults. And um, I want my story to read that I did write these books for a reason. And even if it helped one person, then I accomplished what I needed. What about you, hon? It's okay to be different. It's okay to dream. And it's okay to make those dreams into reality. Don't try to fit yourself in the box called normal. It doesn't exist. Be who you are and be what you want to be. I love that. I wish you guys so much success as you work on the next book and to finish the series out. How many books do you think you'll have all together? Do you know? We are thinking there's about eight mm -hmm. total for this series. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had other ideas for other books and, and different uh, storylines, but for this group of kids, we're thinking there's about eight. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can't wait to see. Will you guys come back and give us an update? Later sure. on down when things come out. Yes, absolutely. Fantastic. I appreciate it. Guys, thank you so much again. We have Crystal and Andrew Underwood here from the Secret of Eight. Did I say that right? No. The Spider Gang Mysteries. Um, find them on Amazon. Remind us again one more time where we can find the books. The book patch. Okay. For, for the uh, soft copy, soft cover version. Mm -hmm. And then for the uh, ebooks is Amazon. And if you have Amazon Unlimited, it's free. And eventually we will have the soft copy also available at Amazon as well. And hopefully the audio done soon. The audio done Yay. with, hopefully within about a month, month and a half, we should have the audio of the first book up. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Can't wait. Guys, make sure to check out the books. Remember, you are never stuck. You are never lost. You are never alone. At any given moment, you can use your power to pivot, make a new choice, and start again. And with that, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. so much to Crystal and Andrew Underwood for joining me on today's episode of the Power to Pivot podcast. And thanks so much for tuning in to all of you as well. Now head on over to amazon.com and pick up your copy of Secret of Eight, the first book in the Spider Gang mystery. I'm so excited for the third book in the trilogy to be released later this year. And we'll be sure to keep you updated as that unfolds. And in the meantime, Let's continue the conversation over on social media. Join me on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, or Twitter, and tell me what was your biggest takeaway from the episode and where in your life have you found acceptance or challenges with acceptance and teamwork? I'd love to hear from you. Um, you can also email me at march4thmediaco at gmail.com. We'll make sure that all of these links are in the show notes. And with that, I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Remember, you are never stuck, you're never lost, and you're never alone. At any given moment, you can use your power to pivot, make a new choice, and start again. Take care, guys.